He's been kissed by, by a hurricane. <laughs> He's slim. He's the host of the Paper Keg Podcast, episode 159. Welcome to the show, uh, paperkeg.com. We're a comic book club podcast, um, most popular in Horsham, PA history. Undisputed. And this week's book club, Godzilla, Half-Century War, James Stokoe. And then we'll read your letters live to close out the show. You shoot us a letter, we might read it on the air. We have three hosts, three living hosts uh, that do this show. One is deceased, R.I.P. Mark, hashtag uh, Jonesy Loves Beer. You know, it's the summer of Paper Keg. Mm. Uh, This might be, we might just be days away from Jonesy being a published writer. Never been published before. He's in a secret society, Masons, look Mm -hmm. it up. Um, Read the wiki. He's got ghastly white skin. <laughs> that's that's why he's going to be publishing. He's going to be publishing a medical journal. The living, <laughs> my obituary will be the published. living deceased. Jonesy, the living deceased. Welcome back to the show. Uh, thank you very much. Uh, they do call me Vampiro in the streets. Right. So, I heckle you with uh, it. Much love to my Vampiro brethren. Uh, don't adjust your sets. This is my real life skin. Uh, this is not some irradiated corpse you've come upon while YouTube surfing. Uh, please don't hit another link. This isn't the character that was brought back from the dead in No More Humans, our last book club. <laughs> right, yeah. By triage. Uh, Shriveled like a prune. VP of merch. Uh, we really have to hand it to this guy. Uh, VP of merch. Fave Phenom, uh, Dale underscore A, alcoholic, alleged. Welcome back. Glass or plastic? That's all I say to myself in my Shining-esque mirror of my basement when I'm talking to myself, drinking, looking at my fake uh, bartender who's a ghost. (laughs) And the... uh, he just keeps telling me to take care. He just took care of him. Right. He just pulls down That's that bottle of ether and gives you a rag. Mm-hmm. And says, "Go ahead, Dale. You want a free night?" He took that care a of gimp him. waiting to happen. Oh yeah. <laughs> uh, Jack Nicholson underscore A. Now you know I alluded to Dale really coming through. This is a big week for Paper Keg. Summer of Paper Keg. Hashtag Summer of PK. We're full swing. I mean. They said it couldn't be done. In fact, it has been done in the past twice. And when it has happened, the podcast that they were for ended (laughs) soon after. We officially unveiled our Paper Keg shirts. Paper Keg t-shirts. VP of merch. Congratulations on making this happen. Yeah, thanks. I mean, I'd like to think that I was just one, you know, cog in the machine of getting this this, uh, initiative together. And you know what? It came together, and we got shirts for sale. Paperkeg.com slash shirts. You can go there. We, we, we got the gamut small to triple extra large, because I can tell you right now, I got myself a triple extra large. <laughs> and uh, I'm hoping it's big enough after a wash-in, after these you know, shirts nowadays. They're all slim-fitting, every shirt. 
Yeah, that's in it's, right now. Slim it's very in. They don't in. give a crap about people's body style. If I, you know, I could be in a Dove commercial, but that's because my shirt would be off. Because not even <laughs> Dove. Even if you were in a Dove commercial, you'd be wearing a unbuttoned white silk dress shirt. I would be, yeah. With my, I would think with my, with only the bottom button done and your chest. Is yeah, my just out. my big, big droopy front just kind of looks like it's pouring out of me, pouring out of the front. So of me. if you have a big droopy front, it's the triple X, and you listen to this podcast, we have that size available. I'm wearing a large right now. It feels great. I feel great. I look great. Obviously, <laughs> I sound great. Uh, so papercake.com/shirts. You have until the end of July for this limited edition run of these paper keg gray shirts. Gosh. What a about a month after that when the show ends? Yes. Maybe August, late August, the show will end and you'll have yeah. been wearing the shirts for about a week. You'll Hopefully, maybe you'll get the so shirts happy. before the last show posts. I don't know. Let's see. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, and then last week we also mentioned Summer of Paper Keg Full Swing. Do you hear that thunder? You hear that? Oh my gosh. I've never had a night like this. Fear agent. Uh, They'll be coming all night, guys. Next week and the week after, both library edition, one episode, one library edition of Fear Agent, the whole show, it's going to be the greatest nights of my life. Yeah, it's number one, Fear Agent episodes, two, Marriage and Son, in, in a strange order, but Fear Agent could be up there. Yeah, this is going to be legitimately i mean people have asked why don't you say something like for episode 200 we couldn't keep it in our pants long enough to hit episode 200 this is that's 40 weeks away you know what i mean and the way we we just as soon as the uh the idea hit our brains we're a full mast yeah we were just we didn't stop at half mast i mean we just knocked a stack of hardcovers off our table like a labrador retriever would (laughs) but with our fronts instead of our backs Your front side. My front piece. Your front side was out of hand when yeah. we announced this. <laughs> yeah, as yeah, exactly. And because we're just too excited. So, you know, no episode 200. We'll probably do something, I don't know, no for 200. I have an idea. I have an idea for 200, oh, but I don't want to okay. talk about it right now. Save it, save it for off air. Yes. And uh, we need to get into the comic talk, but real quick Baltimore Comic Con. It's happening. Big news. My this is big news. Gosh, <laughs> right? You know, Dale. Pl- Dale, please just talk briefly, if you can, about Baltimore Comic Con. Baltimore, Baltimore Comic Con. Okay, this was. If you guys are familiar, Baltimore Comic Con is very con- It's comics concentrated. Jonesy and I went, uh, made an appearance one day last year, and when I yep. tell you the amount of star power, the amount of creator power in <sighs> one convention center. Is unlike anything you've ever seen. This is you ever have a forty-minute conversation with Jim Zub because me and Dale did. Yeah, exactly. Mm. And then we then uh, we got pictures taken with Mark Wade, and uh, Jonesy had Chris his Omni HDR you. setting on his iPhone, so it took six seconds to take one picture. <laughs> and Chris Somney recognized me. I mean, Baltimore Comic Con was legitimately. Is that you, Dale? My wife did and I you were just, just talking did about you, you just last say night. Chris Somney recognized you. Yeah. Yes. He's like, that's the man who chains me in his basement. Wow. And then he just bolted. He flipped his table and ran the other direction, <laughs> knocking over a pregnant woman. It didn't matter. Right, I'm, done. I'm done talking now. Uh, thank you. Okay. <laughs> well, you won't have to worry about Jonesy's illogical usage of photography. I will be taking all the photos that you need, Dale. I will be at your beck and call. Jonesy will be holding bags. I don't know what's going to happen. Yeah. We need to get a backpack. It, I think that's September, so we get we, we can't possibly hype that for however many months. But to, to, but for Jonesy and I to say we, I mean, we were hyped, but now Slim reveals one morning. I mean, I'm barely I'm picking up I'm picking crap out of my eyes, you know. He's only half <laughs> masked. Yeah, I'm like the the boxers that I was wearing where the buttons were already popped off. I was just like you know <laughs> beaming through as it was because it was in the morning, and he says he's in. He's effing in. For Baltimore, all weekend that was long, verbatim, three-day event this year. Yeah, paper cake road trip like you've never seen. 
Um, gosh. Huh? Can you imagine just the hotel bar if they serve wings? <laughs> maybe they have a drink special on Long Island iced teas. Game over. Mm. I'm thinking there's room in that. Uh, I'm thinking there's room in Thunder for at least one more. Right, Jonesy? Mm. You know it. We'll just clear out that compartment where we have our little uh, RV, our little uh, ATV that comes out of the top of the boat. You can sleep there. Oh, God, yeah. We got a microwave on that boat. I'm on him the distance. We got microwavable rice right on the boat, Slim, if you want it. <laughs> Instant carbs, brew. We're quoting actual lines of the show right now. Oh. Thanks for the clarification. <laughs> <laughs> This is the part where the model's drinks vibrate as we're coming by. I imagine, Hot. I imagine, even if I'm in the car, whatever the scenario is going to be, you two in the front doing, like, you're holding hands, your elbows are <laughs> down flat, but your arms are intertwined and holding hands for the two-hour car trip, however long it is. If we have to, I mean, if, if not the whole way, at least driving through downtown Baltimore. I, I, let's make a bet. I'll give, I'll give you 50 bucks if you guys hold hands in that position the entire car ride. I do it for five, so whatever. <laughs> exactly. Come on, Slim. All right, 12 minutes in the show. We're running hot. We're running late. We're running that tape. <laughs> We're going to time it so when... <laughs> so we pull the boat right into the inner harbor when that part of the song please <laughs> and they're like no wake zone but we don't care we need to get into the comic talk we're running way late it's gonna be another two hour show that i'm not gonna be in the mood to edit Ooh. jonesy loves beer all right i'm gonna give you the mm. quick rundown on my book <laughs> you don't have iron to fist you can take as long oh god issue four <laughs> drink can we add can we <laughs> mention <laughs> paperkeg.wiki is listen, real. That's what we're recording on a Wednesday. This is know? three, I think this is three out of four episodes where somehow it's not even making logical sense that you've talked about <laughs> Iron Fist as your round, <laughs> round table book. It's the new Dakin throwback. Uh, yeah, edit the wiki, guys. That'll be fun. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Dale, I don't know if you're caught up because it came out about mm-hmm. six hours ago. Uh, it's another fantastic issue. We get a uh, a flashback uh, to Danny's time with Brenda, the reporter, and uh, the continued psychological infiltration mm-hmm. of his mother's spirit into his brain, affecting his day-to-day life. And then cut to current Kun Loon, where it's been laid to waste. Danny himself has kicked the tree of life in twain, and now he must face the monster that has destroyed the city. Uh, but, you know, the twist guys... Is he is empowered by the Chi of Shellau, the people of Kun Lun, and the Tree of Life itself, all of which mm. Danny has single handedly destroyed himself. Do his power still exist? Find out. Issue five Iron Fist. Fantastic series. I'm saying it. You should be reading it. No eye rolling, please. This mm-hmm. series is a must read. I I will give you that I haven't I didn't make it to the uh, comic store today because we were, you know, I couldn't take a lunch out of work today. Another but work from home. But scenario? no, no, <laughs> air quotes. But I will say that this is a must-read series, and there's still time to hop back in from issue one. Amazing, amazing. Wow. Yeah. Oh uh, my! I don't know when I'm going to read this. You know, Jonesy is. Is, what do you, how would you rate this compared to Thor versus Iron Fist? What's what's higher? Word. Jurgen's Thor? Or what, what's my scale here? We're talking about your acid ribic Thor. Oh, no. J- I, Jason I mean, Aaron. All right. Let's be real. Asad Ribic's art on Thor God of Thunder is unparalleled. But Iron Fist is a close second. Oh, wow. I might not want to read it now that you gave it that number two rating. <laughs> well, you know, maybe it's maybe the book is a little too highbrow for you, Slim. You just can't oh, get the word. Okay, we're running. We're running. A little, tape. little reverse psychology troll uh, there for you. <laughs> now that you have admitted that it's a reverse psychology troll, I don't think it has any effect. Maybe it's a double reverse psychology troll. I need to blow your face 
across the room right now about a book that Uh-oh. I read. Um, he goes sometimes by the name Murphy. I'll find something uh, else. Or <laughs> Robo. We can both talk. We can tag team it, Dale. Just like we always <laughs> talked about. It's, I mean, to, 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 be, to be fair, it's Wednesday. New Comics Day was several hours ago. We work. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, we have families. You know, not all of us work at a comic book company. Right. You don't just have that luxury of putting your head down and reading a book and not getting fired. Right. Anywho... <laughs> uh, Robocop has been out many years different publishers and I think now he's at Boom Studios so they're kind of pretty much ignoring what other publishers had done and now this uh, essentially takes place right after the first movie so it's actually even kind of just ignoring the future with Frank Miller's Robocop 2 and Nuke this one uh, you know, Lewis is still alive. She died. She croaked in the last RoboCop series or the series before that. So it's just, it's literally right after the uh, first movie. And this crook, this bad A, is out of prison. And he missed the whole period of time where RoboCop became a thing. So he needs to figure out how to get rid of Robo so that he can overtake, you know, get his business back on track. And the plot is made me raise an eyebrow because the plot is essentially OCP wants to get rid of all the crime so they're forcing Lewis to create this task force where they take everyone's guns (laughs) from uh, Detroit and she's really upset about it but I didn't understand why and Dale since you read it maybe we can talk about it they're forcing her to remove people's unregistered guns. And in my head, that doesn't feel like a big deal. It just feels like the law. Yeah, that actually just feels like what right. should happen. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it, it feels like a really interesting, odd, timely storyline to do. Yeah, I, felt, I thought that was really timely. And I I'm, I'm wonder if there's, uh, like it was low-hanging fruit or something, like for, the, uh, for an idea for the RoboCop movie or universe to do something as timely as that. I mean, it's very controversial. And, but it, think I, it? I, I liked it. I thought, I didn't think it was that heavy handed, but it's just so, such an obvious storyline or plot device nowadays because it's so, such a real life issue. Mm-hmm. But, um, I, the only thing I didn't really, get was how it just like fell into Lewis's lap like she didn't know anything about this initiative and the cop behind the counter's like oh by the way you're running it you don't you should pay attention more yeah. to the, in the press briefing or, or something but other than that I mean it's I think it was it was I think it was good world building for a first issue I think it was very um, in the same vein as the film like with yeah. the uh, very adult oriented and like there's a like the gangster doing blow off of the barrel of the gun, I thought was like great. It happens. It like fit in with the movie beautifully. I that like that moment yeah. stood out for me because it was so great. And the like the silliness of you know eighty cops outside the building. The, the, what I just don't understand. I guess maybe Robo's just still too new. No cops should be outside the building. Just wait for Robocop to show up. And I know that puts every other cop out of business. But why risk why risk equipment loss, life loss in a hostage yeah. situation? Just let Robocop show up. He doesn't sleep. He will be there. <laughs> he eats baby food. Yeah, yeah, but but that too goes hand in hand with the film. I mean, there was like there's hundreds of cops everywhere in the film until Robocop shows up. So it was like it's very much in the same like feeling. Like it steeps you into the world very, very well, I think. Hmm. Yeah, I was actually surprised that I don't know. I was about to say I was surprised I didn't hate it. I just maybe have such mm-hmm. low or different expectations for a RoboCop comic that uh, I, I didn't know what to expect. So I'm going to be reading the second issue. So that's a good recommendation right there, I guess, in and of itself. 
And I, what I thought was interesting was Lewis was taking her detective's exam. Like, I wonder right. what... There's no motive... I don't think there was any motivation for that in the movie and or in no. this issue. There's like, is she so tired of police work? She's got Murphy back as a partner now. So that that kind yeah. of thing. No, I guess we'll have to read on and find out. Just like any RoboCop fan would. That's what that's One of the greatest movies ever made by human beings. RoboCop. <laughs> uh, Dale underscore A, I usurped your book this week. Um, do you have another one, or should we uh, move on to Jonesy's lightning round? I think he was. I think he's going back to the archives. Well, it, it's not quite archives, but I didn't finish the book that I'm going to mention. But it is um, called Normandy: A Graphic Hist- A Graphical History of D-Day and the Allied Invasion of Hitler's Fortress Europe. And this hmm. was actually a uh, one of those free comicsology books. It was like the summer of comicsology or something. They were yeah, 20, 20 days of comics, 20 days of free comics, I think. Yeah, which was fantastic because this is like a $15 graphic novel. Hmm. And it's it's by um, Wayne Van Sant, and he has a couple of these graphic novels out. And it's all about actual real-life history. So it's really cool telling of, you know, just the the allies part and the invasion of on D-Day. And it was, it's, I think it's really excellent uh, way means of telling the story, like actual history. There's facts. There's no dramatic, dramatical storyline kind of built into it to that weaves through the plot. It's just history, but it's all drawn in very beautiful art about the, the plan of what they attended to accomplish and what happened the aircraft used and the the, the equipment used is, is really really great and i i would recommend it for anybody with any interest in the war at all i would recommend hmm. they pick it up it's really great yeah i, I wish love I, could, war. I could get that I do. kindling you have for war comics you need to expose me to the right one so i can get into it I expose will, yourself uh, to jonesy please whenever you can <laughs> well we got three days in uh, baltimore together you big stud. <laughs> God Sleep help us. shirts everywhere. But he has a couple of these out. Uh, I, I recommend, yeah, beautiful. <laughs> have we ever have we ever talked about on the show Jonesy and Twitter Dark? Listen, <laughs> hey, we won't talk about it. Oh, uh, God, we got to move on. Two sentences or less. The most know. popular segment. Unsure if Twitter works in Baltimore. We'll have to say. <laughs> History. Uh, Jonesy, please kick it off. Uh, Dynamite Studios presents The Dresden Files, issue number one uh, by Jim Butcher. If you're a fan of the novels, you will fit right in to this comic portrayal of Harry Dresden. It's written by the author of the novels, so you don't get any of that bad characterization from other adapted works. Magneto, one through six. Lightning, what? Lightning, I was a fool to not have been reading this title. A fool. Amazing book. A fool. The Amazing Spider-Man, issue number three. Personally bummed that Otto wrecked Black Cat and Spider-Man's relationship. But it makes for good storytelling post-breakup, air quotes. Godzilla Half-Century War. Written and drawn by James Stokoe. My God. My God. <laughs> Opinion spoilers. <laughs> <laughs> um, this book had been coming out what I think was monthly, which makes my 
my butt hurt just thinking about it coming out on a monthly basis and James Stokoe. Um, color assist by Heather Breckel meant to add her in. But Jonesy loves beer. Godzilla. Uh, IDW. What's this book about? Imagine Godzilla Universe presented in a way that we've never seen it before. The ground up view of a young soldier who essentially starts and ends his career with Godzilla looming very large, no pun intended, in his life. Uh, present at the first attacks in Tokyo uh, in the 50s, I'll say, uh, Lieutenant Ota is uh, part of the initial army forces, reserves, or uh, whatever Japanese self-defense force it was involved in trying to deflect Godzilla away from the city. Uh, we follow him throughout his life as he joins or basically forms a crack squad of monster killers who are given experimental weapons to try to continue to defeat Godzilla over the years. Uh, along the way, uh, new and terrifying weapons are developed one of which uh, goes terribly wrong or perhaps is sabotaged to attract other monsters, other irradiated beasts from the earth. And uh, Godzilla becomes a hero, often defending the lands he formerly destroys, while Ota lives on, barely scraping by over the years, trying to defeat this threat. In... Excuse me. In an also great point of view, we are also given how the world has changed. The world at large uh, is changed by the presence of these monsters and the actual destruction it does as we see the political and economical effects of having monsters in the real world. Eventually, the technology is developed to fight off Godzilla for good and Ota gets his... Last wish. Godzilla fifty years war. <laughs> is that the? Is there a variant that was called the Fifty Years War? Is that? Isn't that what's called the Fifty Year War? The Fifty Year War. The Half Century War. <laughs> yeah, that's fifty years. I got it right. Mm-hmm. It, you know, nomenclature, whatever. Dale underscore a. You know, I usurped. There was a usurping mm-hmm. happening earlier. It's time, time to pay it forward, please. Please let us enter your heart and tell us something about this book. I mean, if you think about it, it's basically Fury Max with Godzilla in it. (laughs) Agree. And I'm fine with that. It's absolutely... I mean, it's... Look, I'm going to lay it out for you. James Stokoe style lays it out for us in our eyes. Um, It's a popcorn book. It's uh, a great, it's a great, as great a read as marathoning all the Godzilla movies. It makes you feel like, it makes, this book makes you feel like there's a common thread through all the Godzilla movies in Ota, what's his name? Oto? Ota. Ota. Yeah, it makes you think that. It really gives you the feeling that through all the Godzilla movies, there was somebody named Ota that was never touched upon in the films, but was always there, hassling or protecting the people, or hassling Godzilla, trying to take him down. And it's just a really cool telling of a Godzilla story or stories, because it, you know it, it weaves from. Godzilla, the mass destructor of Tokyo, to uh, bringing in all the other monsters that Godzilla fights throughout the years in the movies. And, you know, kind of paints him in a light where maybe he's not so bad because he's helping take down, you know, uh, all the other baddies. But Hmm. in the end, he's still a force to be reckoned with and probably is not one for this Earth because he's just too darn damaging to the world. I mean, at the end of the book, I think it, Ota says half of the world 
is lying in ruins. Half of the planet Earth is in ruins because of the monsters. That's a, I mean, that's a, like not to get too deep on it because it's the the content of the book. But that's, I mean, that's crazy. Yeah, the last uh, issue showed like every issue opened up with kind of an aerial shot of the country that they were in or the location, which was gorgeous. And then the last one, I think, was just kind of like an overshot of the planet, and it was uh, like just ash and and flames. You could see it from space. <laughs> but, I mean, there's so much destruction in this book, and it reminded me of Akira in a lot of ways. But mm-hmm. Godzilla, like, just destroyed everything. So, like, even the, the first issue shows Ota as, like, a young lieutenant and chase like, driving this tank around to direct Godzilla away from this evacuation that was happening so he doesn't trample and kill all these people. So he's like hailed a hero. And there's just the, I mean, the art, if you never read a James Stokoe book, you're an idiot, first of no, all. you're in you for don't. a treat. <laughs> you're not uh, an idiot. You need to get your hands on a James Stokoe book. I mean, I can't believe what he's able to pull off I'm, in, I'm telling you. in this book. I don't understand it. It doesn't make any sense to me. Period. The amount it's so of detail. detailed. Yeah, it looks like he could spend a, like five days on one page, five to six days. To That's the it. the mockups of the buildings, even if they were miniature, were so precise. Amazing. Yeah. Oh work. yeah, absolutely. I mean, you it's you whether he's doing it by hand or digitally, there's still way too much detail in every facade of a building. Or if there's a pane of glass breaking, there are a bajillion pieces of glass breaking. And they all have mm-hmm. the reflection of what's happening opposite. Oh, my God. I'm it's ridiculous. This, I, I just couldn't get over how much fun I had reading this book. And I was never particularly a fan of Godzilla films. I've seen three. Mm-hmm. And you know, I yeah. enjoyed them, like Sci-Fi Channel, Early Saturday Morning. You know, you're reading your comic books in the living room. You had Godzilla on the background. Uh, and so I wasn't really, you know, prepared for what I was going to read. And uh, I had a great time. You know, it wasn't, uh, you know, to Dale's point, it was not deep. Yeah, it's I not didn't have heavy. to do a lot of do. There was not a lot of emotional heavy lifting. Uh, but instead, I just had a really great time. And all the laughs hit. And all the uh, the deep emotional stuff with Oda finally getting his come up and in the right way hit but more importantly all the action scenes were incredibly drawn and beautifully colored i mean what a great i mean the colorist assist on this was incredible each scene yeah, with godzilla and mothra I'm wondering how much he colored or like what is i don't even know what a color assist does to be perfectly honest i have no idea i don't even know i guess maybe he colored most of it and then the color assists came in and did stuff i don't know but you're right jonesy i think even dale said it but it's not it's not like you're not gonna sit and reevaluate your life after reading it felt like a if to, i don't know how to explain it. it felt like a godzilla movie to me like the characters mm-hmm. and the conversations they had just felt like a popcorn movie you know you don't have to worry about character background to a huge extent besides ota because you follow his life and being a young lieutenant and then a captain and then kind of the organization that they form at the end of the first issue is like a task force to destroy and track the monsters. And they do like, I don't, I can't imagine they do a great job over the course of these no, decades. Like they're how not a they, success. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The, like the, they, they, it's, like, it's like an impossible task. Yeah, especially when the first two issues solely... I think Godzilla solely existed, and maybe the monsters are showing up in issue three or the end of issue two. But, I mean, he's solely chasing Godzilla for 20 or 30 years. So his one, their one job is to kill Godzilla for 20 years at least. That doesn't happen. Yeah. And so their, you know, their focus eventually changes to predicting where Godzilla will land so they can evacuate the area and stuff like that. But like, 20 years is a long time to spend not downing your monster you know <laughs> i mean i guess i don't know <laughs> who am i one of my favorite parts of the book were uh the big characters like my particular favorite is the scottish scientist they hire 
to make weapons to pierce Godzilla's hide, but he's like an ex mining expert. So every weapon, every weapon's got a drill on it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like, Does this missile need a drill? Trust me, it'll work. It's just fire the drill; it'll be fine. I mean, just that, great like little plan, comedic touches like that. That plan was the equivalent of Storm and No More Humans just telling Cyclops to sneak in another mutant. Like just like the worst plan <laughs> yeah. you could just ever walk have. along the wall. Yeah, just hide in that in that closet over there. Like they just he just attaches the drills to these tanks. Like are the tanks just going to get close to Godzilla where right. they can just poke a just ball ram his ankles heel? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the uh, I thought it was hilarious too. There was one double page spread. I actually read this in my iPad all in landscape because there's just so many double page spreads, and it read really well. The lettering was large enough for you to just read it um, in two page view. The um, page where they show the all the different monsters that had shown up, like Mothra and all the uh, all the rest, and then they show the team members. Like this is your introduction to the other members of the team. Mm-hmm. Like I would have loved reading just a series that followed that team around during that era of of them just following those monsters. Yeah, because he had a way of adding so much character to these team members who appeared for three or four pages total at least in a sense where you could get their characters but it was very i I guess it was very like pacific rim where they these these two member teams all had these personalities and they dressed a certain way and stuff like the hippies that were following mothra Mm -hmm. they had like a (laughs) scooby-doo van that was painted psychedelic and and they were just like they were like storm chasers they were just tracking and following Mothra wherever Mothra would go. And the, and so each monster, it was a cool concept because each monster had a team assigned to him to kind of become an expert in King Giodora or Rodan or, or whoever. And, they, and each team had was assigned. I love you for remembering all those names, Dale. <laughs> oh, there was, I was just going to say there was one panel that I really wish was a, a, a whole page. And it was from, it was when they were in Vietnam and the panel was from ground level looking up at Godzilla, but behind Godzilla were like the hundreds of bombers that were mm-hmm. flying overhead. It just looked, if that could have been blown up to a whole page, I mean, that would, I would just get that art on my wall in a second. It was amazing how it was like watching an old cartoon where you would see the, uh, you know, like an old Looney Tunes cartoon where you would see the bombers flying over London and that's they would just be like moving wallpaper but then Godzilla was in kind of like the foreground because they were going to bomb the hell out of him so I thought that that's my favorite my favorite panel of the whole book mm. I thought it was a really cool transition where they revealed like why the monsters were going in the directions they were why they were meeting each other the one scientist that they hired to create this kind of dog whistle to you know push the monsters away it didn't work, so then he like went into hiding, and then it's revealed that he just kind of changed his schematics to draw the monsters into his machine and come toward it. And he was selling it on the black market as like an alternative to nuclear war, where you buy this, Great and turn it on, and the monsters would just come and destroy the area. I thought that was like, you know, <laughs> a great idea. I wonder if that was uh, in the films avoid. or that was original to the author. I don't know. I don't know. It was a great idea. And the the part that cracked me up was when the hippie, you know, the team of Godzilla hunters, they realize that this is happening. So they decide, you know, we can't stop the monsters. Let's go see if we can find this machine. And they get in that Scooby-Doo van and they get there. And one of them asks, like, does anybody have a gun? And none of them do because they're like, well, I think one of them even says, you don't bring a gun to a Godzilla fight. And the hippie <laughs> even says, like, I don't believe in guns. So it's been like so many years that these people have been on this team and none of them just have a firearm. <laughs> I thought that was so hilarious. Uh, I th- This book was so entertaining. And I even love the, uh, the climactic battle with the Mecha Godzilla. I'd oh, forgotten yeah. that even existed. And to have mm-hmm. Oda... Uh, fake his way into the cockpit, uh, and even the line is like, did, did, "Did the pilot lose a couple inches? He looks a little shorter. He did a couple minutes ago." And it's the old man Ota behind the wheel, fighting side by side with this thing he's obsessed with. And there's like even a moment, like a buddy cop Top Gun moment, where like they kind of like do the nod at each other before <laughs> they take on 
the rest of the monsters. What a, what an incredible, fun time this was. And it was such, an, uh, such a creative idea that all Ota wanted was, I mean, because a human being to Godzilla is so, is a fly, is is nothing to Godzilla. So Ota just, he just, he's like, I'm just going to make him recognize me and understand that I'm his foe. I've been after him for so long. He just wanted Godzilla to understand to validate him to validate him yeah after all that like there was some it was some impactful stuff i guess i mean if you think about the situation cuz who who were like godzilla doesn't remember who these people are or whatever they're just blasting the h out of them and you know either he gets annoyed enough to go after him or he goes and continues on his way because nothing is hurting him yeah that was a i f- i feel like i didn't pick up on that storyline enough during the course of the series, but I recognized it towards the end where he just kind of wanted that recognition that he, yeah. that Godzilla saw him at at the very least. And there was that amazing panel where you see from behind Ota in that machine because it's getting like sucked into this black hole, which is finally working and getting rid of the monsters. And you see Godzilla in all his glory, just like looking down at him. And I oh mean that was gorgeous. If there, if I had one critique of that last page or the page before, I would have taken out some of Oda's quotes at the end, where he said, "You know what a journey we've had together," or something. <laughs> I felt like if you took those captions out, it still would have been as impactful because it's they, they're looking at each other, and then Oda kind of like has his hand up as a wave, and then he gets sucked into the the black hole allegedly with Godzilla. But I I, I mean it was really great because. I had no idea that, you know, the plot... I had read the first issue ages ago, but it it follows Oda as he gets older and as his jobs change in this this task force. And at one point, he's just kind of this dude in a surveillance van where that's, like, all they did for years was just surveil Like the Cold War Godzilla era. Yeah. Um, but man, the art in this book, I, you can't even say enough. I, does, does he sell original art? I don't even know if he does because he could just sell original art or prints of this book forever and never have to work again. Yeah. I honestly, I don't even know. I, I know I, he's on my Twitter account. I don't even know if he tweets that much. And I, I mean, it's just, just get it for the art and just look at it if you want. It's cool. Cause just it's rub it on gorgeous. yourself, print it out and just lay on it for a while <laughs> yeah rub up against it like a cat would like a decent <laughs> proposal just yeah <laughs> Joe Dale wakes up full mast with the Stoko art on his body yeah and who knows your, where his your, wife is in this your scenario. pull line for this episode in a podcast app just has to be Dale's mass status <laughs> oh my gosh <laughs> we'll see what James Stoko thinks about that <laughs> yeah can't wait can't wait <laughs> he's doing um one of those Marvel's doing the hundredth anniversary storylines where it's just like write about and draw some characters from the future of Marvel. What? And he's doing one on Avengers. It's like rogue Dr. Strange and beta Ray bill hundred years from now. Why? And it's written and drawn by James Toko. Oh, that's pretty cool. Yes. I mean, there was an interview where they asked him like, you know, where do you see the comics business in 50 years? And it was kind of cool where he just said, I don't really pay attention that much. I just, don't imbr- don't deep dive into what's going on now. I have you know he loves what he loves that he read in the past, and it's not like he wakes up in the morning and reads you know what's happening in the world of comics. That was kind of cool. He also did that Sullivan Sluggers. Remember that? Oh yeah, mm-hmm. I saw that uh, hardcover Dale's house. And that's that's definitely gorgeous art, and that's why it, when you brought up the color assist because even the colors seemed very James Stokoe as compared to Sullivan Sluggers. Like the color palettes were kind of like the same thing, so it was very James Stokoe, at least from what I could understand, mm. what I gathered of his past work. Yeah. Stokoe historian Dale underscore mm. A. Yeah, Sullivan Sluggers is a gorgeous, probably Stokoe curator. <laughs> Dale Orkstein, is, I think, is his most popular one. Mm-hmm. I think Which, I read uh, that for Paper Cake Nights. I think. Really? Yeah. What'd you think of it? I, I think I enjoyed it. It was like adult D&D-ish. What more can you ask for? <laughs> can't. Really can't. 
Are you guys going to be Dale playing just got full mast. In that, Double mast. In that hotel room? Yeah, and you're going to be our, uh, our player. Well, it's not like we're getting, we're not getting invited out to any after parties. I can tell you that much. We might as well. <laughs> yeah. You'll be out there every night, probably. Party I hear Beck Gordo be is going to throw a, uh, a, a penthouse party at the top of some building. Beck Gordo, <laughs> that's what I heard. Drink every time she's mentioned on this show. Drink. drink <laughs> <laughs> Poor Bex. Now no one can ever talk about her again. Why would anyone have enough pull to just throw a rooftop party in or penthouse party in Jones' eyes? Look like a, a lot of swagger that one yeah. via her tweets. Paper hashtags I don't understand. Slash shirts is real reminder. The end of July. That's all the time you'll ever have to get this paper keg limited edition gray tea. You sound like. QVC right now. You you're pulling it off, my friend. Godzilla the half century war. We got your letters. I'm gonna open them up. Farrington's gonna read them to, to you. you. For really the cares. fifty year war. As some call it. Yeah. They're called Letter- synonyms. 50 years, half century. At paperkeg.com, uh, you shoot us a letter, we might read it on the air. I wonder how the uh, Dewey Decimal System feels about that. <laughs> First letter is uh, from friend of the show, Andrew Myers, at Andy Android on the Twitter. And uh, in parentheses, he says, please have Farrington read this letter. That's... I don't oh, know if that's a troll, gosh. but that's... that's uh-huh. Oh, my uh-huh. God. Or else he's just really far back in our catalog. <laughs> I mean, you hit a, it's a hard troll when you ask a dead person yeah. to read a letter. I mean, my goodness. My goodness. <laughs> Dear Keggers, this might be a question pointed toward His Holiness, Mr. Underscore A, or everyone, if applicable. If we were to hold a fantasy football-style draft of all your favorite characters from comics past and present, who would you rank as worthy of the first five draft picks? Does the list change if passing touch? Well, does the list change if passing touchdowns are worth six points instead of the standard four? <laughs> Who would your primary anti-hero pick be for your first IDP? Oh my God, Andrew Myers! I'm going to stop reading. I can't. <laughs> Nobody <laughs> listens to this podcast will understand that except you. <laughs> Picked up Lazarus after listening to Paper Keg 139 on Monsignor's suggestion. Can I say holy crud? Mm-hmm. Ordered my PK shirt, stoked for its arrival. P.S. Some of us at uh, my iPad is frozen, so I can't get to the P.S. of my iPad. Uh, P.S. <laughs> Thank some you, of Gmail. us at the uh, a Skyrim Attic podcast Thanks. Facebook group are trying to throw together a Skyrim themed fantasy football league. If anyone's interested, hit me up on the Twitters listed above. Thanks. Uh, that's at Indie Android. Uh, P.P.S. R.E.P. Farrington sent from my iPhone. Uh, you can that probably I guess love that Dale is not interested in a in a fantasy football league. He, he could, couldn't even read the beginning part of that letter. He, he shocked on this letter. Man, the I iPad just, froze from anger. <laughs> I started just trying to do the math in my head, and I'm like, I can't, even, I can't keep up right now. I can't do it. A lot of a uh, lot of football only words. I would put <laughs> Spider Man on my team. That's all I know. Spider Man would be on my. Phone. Wouldn't we all? Wouldn't we all? Uh, Our next letter comes to us from dear friend of the show, uh, Paul Shirley. He states, it's letter catch-up time, fellas. Just re-listened to one of your best episodes ever. And man, oh man, Batman Mask of the Phantasm is one of those golden childhood milestones that I'll never forget. Mm. I wasn't fortunate enough to see that mess in theaters, but I had the VHS on loop for months after its release. That Phantasm costume gave me the creeps so hard. Just hearing the intro music on the episode gives me the chills. I don't know that superhero animation will ever reach this level ever again as long as we live. Legends live forever. Oh, man, that's deep. I'm wondering, though, is there a modern-day iconic animated film in the comic genre that even approaches this level? What will be the Mask of the Phantasm for our children Nothing but love, guys. 
Paul, Summer of Bruce, Tim, <laughs> hashtag. Uh, the Mask of the Phantasm for our kids will be the Mask of the Phantasm. I don't think uh, any uh, animated films have come quite close yet. When was yeah. Akira released? Like 85, 81, right. 85, something like that. Oh, my. Cowboy Bebop, maybe. I mean, come on. Right? Call back. Yeah. Is there a live gif to be posted on there? <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know. I mean, Mask of the Phantasm was like, it was, a, it was released to theaters for land's sakes. I don't know. <laughs> I can't remember. I, that, that could have been the last big uh, animated superhero movie, right? There's nothing else. I mean, there's a bunch of <laughs> there's a bunch of those DC direct to video um, mm. releases like Batman and Son and, and such. Oh my god! I watched. I started to watch. I forgot that I had watched maybe half of it. That's like an R rated movie. Yeah, I, my, I was three and a half year old in the room, and I was like, I had to cover his eyes. I was dropping uh, Grayson off at daycare before school, and I was like, I don't know, it was like April or May when this happened. But um, you know, a couple of the moms in there know that I like comics and stuff like that. So one of the moms was like, a couple of the moms that bring you coffee every morning. One of the moms was like, just redo the face again. Next letter, next letter. No, <laughs> Sean Miller. I gotta say, I'm pretty excited for the summer of PK. All the big episodes being teased have me waiting with bated breath, and those shirts, they got me feeling some kind of way. I walk around with credit card in hand, waiting for the tweet that lets me know they are available for purchase. It'll be my new favorite sleep shirt, work shirt, formal shirt, dressy casual shirt, and man about town shirt. How do you guys tackle some of these huge book club books in time for the next episode? When the books get as set big as, say, Akira or Fear Agent, they should just be called. <laughs> they should just what be called it? the Bex Gordo Challenge. Drink. <laughs> Drink. <laughs> if you guys want to get crazy and pay tribute to the king, you could try doing all four volumes of Jack Kirby's Fourth World. However, I think the challenge will be getting through it without u- the use of Adderall. <laughs> anyway, looking forward to seeing what's in store. I'm still flying. Sean Gregory Miller with uh, his uh, at Under the Anchor. Yeah, is We're still here, Joss. We're still here. We're still flying. I do want to say real quick, you don't have to just buy one paper keg shirt. You could buy two or mm. ten. God. <laughs> one for every occasion. You don't have to wash these things. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah. I mean, you you get one for you, get one for your lady, because your lady knows that you love comics and you love paper keg. You know what I mean? That's what we're going to do with our ladies. Right. Yeah, and that's well, probably I mean, you probably want to get married all over again on a beach in your paper keg shirts, because once you see your wife in a paper keg shirt, you're going to want to get primal. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> And uh, as you might have heard pre- earlier in this episode, uh, Sean Gregory Miller, shirts for sale, paperkeg.com slash shirts. That was the last letter. I think he had a question. Oh, how do you read the big books? Well, we plan them. We plan them weeks in advance, and then the, the three days before showtime, we read them. We read every episode, every issue. Akira, though, Akira was planned. I mean, Akira was huge. What was Akira? That one. A thousand I mean, or each volume. It was over a thousand pages. Yeah, that one was the hardest one. Yeah. Because you had to, we were reading, I mean, you had to read that weeks in advance. You had to start weeks in advance. And that one was really tough. I, yeah. It, going, looking back, looking back, I would not have done that as a whole episode, if I could be frank. I would have, we might have maybe done half. Or le- I mean, I don't know, even half is a lot. Like, break that into two and a half volumes per episode, two, three. Goodness. Yeah, 
It only because we were so we had to compress everything, and what we maybe go an hour and a half for the episode, but we talked about a yeah. whole lot of book in that time, so there was a lot left out. Um, but it was you know it opened up a lot of doors for us. You know what I mean? Akira really. I did. feel like yeah, I feel like the book club episodes now are easier, and maybe at least for me. Here we go. Well, I usually read on the train home. That's everyone knows that. I, I wait until the last minute. So if my iPad dies on the train ride home, then I'm finished. He's going to the wiki. <laughs> Go to the favoritekeg.com slash wiki. <laughs> but the fear agent one, um, I'll probably read the night before, maybe. Yeah, I, I, I'm not going to lie to you. I like these these book club episodes. Yeah. I like them a whole lot. They're, they're really, they're good. It's, and it's it's easy to read for them. And be ready, I think. Mm-hmm. Well, it's nice because, it I mean, it really, they open the door for us to read a lot more than we would for a normal format show. And Fear Agent, the two Fear Agent uh, episodes are going to be perfect examples. I mean, we wouldn't do that for a 20-minute book club segment on a regular show. So, uh, you know, it's not, dessert, that's just not cool, you know, to do. No. But, you know, peppering in these book club episodes... I think are really cool for us and it re-energizes us. It doesn't just let us, it doesn't just make us read a six issue trade of something because then we're building shows around what can we find that's only six issues or less long. And it feels like there's not as as much mad scramble when we do the long form format. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like we have something that we know is going to be long, but we can read it at our own pace. I think we can form better thoughts about it when it's a whole mm-hmm. show take notes yeah, yeah. that's i mean that's said that. though, screenshot we're, stuff like that what are we eight days away from probably recording the first fear agent episode i'll probably wait until two nights before start reading mm. what's the first we, volume like 28 issues mm, no. i live the whole series is only about 30 issues is it? i thought it was like mid 40s no we mm-hmm. live why well, jonesy i mean he jonesy just finds time jonesy he opens his Jonesy f- opens his Franklin Covey planner and he <laughs> just finds time five days before showtime. But I live to to get it all in the night before. It's just like it gives me my energy. Like I love the scramble. The deadline. I love the, yeah, I love the deadline. I, I really do. And a part of me waits for the night before because it's easier to remember everything I read. But mm-hmm. it's I mean, I just live for it. It's just part of my system it's part of what i work into every week you know we we bash don garvey of the echo rift podcast for having more time than he knows what to do with but we gotta mention jonesy finishes these book clubs before they're even like confirmed as a book club no we got only the, the one google time. doc we got a google doc that's like 10 episodes out we got the show we got the book clubs done and he's he's finishing them a week in advance Listen, it all it. comes back to that Swamp Thing episode when I couldn't finish in time for the show, and you lambasted me for a good 20 minutes of my lack of dedication to the program, mm. and I swore then God, what a book! I would never, ever go another book club without finishing, and that's... Really missed out. One of the, I mean, one of the <laughs> best... You know, Oh, you weren't on that one. One of the best comic books I've ever read in my life. We might have... Maybe we'll bring it back. Oh, you know, yeah. since... Jonesy didn't finish it. Dale One wasn't of the there. Host is dead. That was on it. Dale wasn't there. Oh my gosh! It, it was definitely. I, I mean, the Swamp Thing didn't deserve the episode it got. Probably no. Jonesy no. didn't finish. Mark, if he did read it, he hated it. I'm gonna. I can tell you, it just wasn't his thing. He didn't hate it. How and odd he didn't was like it? it? Uh, looking back now at Paper Keg in its infancy, how normal it was to have a missing Jonesy or a missing Dale on episodes, right? Very strange. Weird. I couldn't even consider it now. We wouldn't even record if we weren't no. available. Absolutely not. Take you off the show. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, do we have slim, any more letters? Slim rules by one? fear. Now, we've been yeah. uh, fireside it for the last 10 minutes. Oh, uh, gosh. What a show, if I can be honest with you. I really enjoyed that one. Not going to lie. Even when we went off the rails, because Dale is hilarious, it was worth it. Good show. Those are the good ones. I'm not even going to talk during this letter <laughs> anymore. I'm done. When Dale's on point. That means it's auto win column. 
<laughs> flat out. Paper Keg Meetup is around oh, the corner. Gosh, golly gee. Barcade, July 19th, I think it is. It's a Saturday. Weekend before San Diego Comic Con. I will be, uh, be amazing. I will be probably twenty days into a cleanse that I plan on starting, so <laughs> I shouldn't be drinking beer that day. But you know what? For the paper keg meetup, I'll probably drink more beer. A cleanse. I'll take we'll the train next home. week. I'll take the train to somebody's home. Show up at their door, walk in, and probably try to sleep on their living room floor. Colombia. It's close, my friends. It is so close and so needed. So needed. Mm. Mm. Gonna have one of those uh, Goose Island honkers that they have on draft there at Barcade. It's gonna be a good time. Mm. Goose Island. You already, you're, you're already planning your drinks like you're playing your book clubs. You already mm-hmm. know what you're drinking. <laughs> yeah, I'm ready. <laughs> We should right probably try to. Corner. I don't know. I my dream. Maybe we get there early. Do a yeah, shot. I'm just the three of us. You know what I mean? Yeah. Hug. Well, what's the shot going to be? Some kind of jet fuel that Jonesy likes to drink. Tell them or do Irish whiskey. Mm. Like I mother's mean, milk. Literal, literal gasoline. Petroleum gasoline is what I like to in drink a, in a shot glass, and I wouldn't even be able to tell the difference between that and the stuff you drink. We all can't drink rumple mints. <laughs> Fireball that was like a decade ago. <laughs> I don't know. Whatever you kids Rumpel drink, Mints, black uh, Rumple Mints black was house. Ye- was year twenty one of my life <laughs> and yeah. younger. Yeah, and then a Black House. I think usurped drink when I say usurp um, Rumple Mints. I I I must have had gold so sugar Rumple Mints during one party that it just. You know, it was when I could never drink this again for the rest of my life. And I, now I, like, want to vomit when I smell it. <laughs> That's Jaeger for me. Oof. Can't do it anymore. I think there was a period where Black House must have just been soaring on some sort of elevated sales because, it, like, it just caught fire there for a while. And everybody was drinking Black House with their hmm. Swedish fish drinks or whatever the heck it was at the time. But <sighs> now they're just, you know, they're probably, like, trying to still... Hold on to that. It's probably not happening anymore. Yeah, and then you turn it's, uh, 30... Cinnamon whiskey and rum chata. Whatever the hell that oof. is. Gosh, cinnamon, cinnamon whiskey is oh, just God. abysmal. Ugh. I mean, you try to put, you try to give me cinnamon anything, I'm going to slap you in the mouth. <laughs> Hands down. Mm-hmm. Yeah? Yeah. Give me Sky you. Vodka and Minute Maid Berry Punch. <laughs> Call it a night. Gosh. You just, You're into you just, these vodka uh, mixers in your old age, I'll tell you. You are. I am. I have shifted. You were you a beer know, and a shot have... guy for a long time. Yeah, better part of a decade. Mm-hmm. Are you just uh, you know, squeezing you just... James's sippy boxes into out into a cup <laughs> with your vodka? No, Minute Maid Berry Punch is not a sippy. It's like they sell in those milk cartons, those like oh, you know right. cardboard milk cartons. Mm-hmm. Oh man, they are delectable. You know, sometimes you just want to sit back, play Titanfall, and and have a drink. Mm. You know, since your friends don't want to play with you in uh, Titanfall. Oh, there's Xbox Ones, guys. Pretty good. <sighs> it's good. It's good. Tell you what. They don't have any next-gen systems. I thought you had a PS4. 
No. Nope. Huh. Nothing. I think he pre-ordered both and then canceled. Canceled both. Launch minutes. titles were, uh, you know, didn't do it for me. Well, you have to have that by 2015 when that Tom Clancy game comes out. Oh, my God, game. those previews. Ugh. December 2015. <laughs> we had to push it back, guys. Uh, third quarter 2016. We got we to gotta hop on that train. Jonesy, why don't you get a, the Titanfall bundle? We can play Titanfall together. Oh, my God. You know, I, I have like a birthday coming up uh, for anybody there listening. There we go. There we go. You know, uh, it's coming up. It'll be before the meetup. So if you want to give me a belated birthday present... Which is an Xbox One Titanfall bundle at the yeah. meetup. I will, I will make a show about not being able to accept, but really, I will accept. Why don't so, you just say sure. you're you're going to be accepting Amazon gift cards in lieu of gift? Yeah, that'll be fine too. You know, I got a lot of Amazon American Express points ready, keyed up, queued up, ready to go. Keyed up, queued, queued up. up, keyed up, queued. I'm keyed up about being queued up. <laughs> At the meetup. 